Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Welcome to Brooker View, podcast number 52, I believe. It is our annual and infamous Brooker View Christmas special. We're going to have a, a Santa Stearns wish list from all of our hosts, and we'll talk about some big Brewer news and uh, where we're at in the off season and all that good stuff. So with me today are Vince and Scott. Hey, fellas, how are you doing? Hey, guys. Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Yeah, this, um, I guess our budget kind of got cut a little bit compared to previous Christmas episodes, but we did put up that video of us uh, getting the set ready like 12 years ago. That was a great video from our intern, and uh, I know that you're going to save Christmas somehow again this year, Scott, with or without a budget. We'll do our best. And uh, Merry Christmas, Chad. Chad on. Oh, Chad, I think Chad saw the dollar store getting the gifts for Scott that he drew his name this year, so. I think Chad's actually being a mall Santa today. <laughs> I'll check on that. <laughs> Doing some Christmas shopping today myself. <laughs> Very nice. All right, so um, maybe uh, the Brewers really haven't done too many significant moves. I guess uh, before we go over kind of our Christmas wish list for GM Stearns, uh, let's talk about, I guess, the one move they made and what are your guys' thoughts on that? Are, well, I guess a couple things. We probably haven't even really talked about the fact that they uh, non-tendered Jonathan Scope, um, and obviously there's a bunch of second basemen on the market, so I think the Brewers are probably going to you know, look to sign someone on a one-year deal. So they kind of make a bridge until Kesson Kira is ready for the majors, at least that's what it seems. Um what are your guys' overall thoughts on that move, I guess, first? Well, obviously the Brewers thought that uh, that scope wasn't worth the $10 million that it would have taken to uh, pick up his options. So um, I see I see the thinking both ways on that. Scope was, you know, obviously not ideal when he was here in Milwaukee. But, um, you know, I think I think mostly it's because there's so many other veteran second basemen on the market who kind of fit that mold, guys who are going to sign one- or two-year deals that can bridge that gap to Hira. Um um, so I truly don't think we're going to lose anything if we do sign a guy like, uh, I, I guess, a Lowry or, uh, you know, we've heard other names possibly mentioned as well. So we'll, we'll see what David Stern's able to come up with. But maybe we should go over some of the names that are available at second basin um, on the market this offseason. I know that one of them just came off the board with Ian Kinsler signing with the uh, the Padres this week, but there's, there's still are, are several more as well. Yeah, and, and Jonathan Scope himself signed with the Twins one year, $7 million, which I was actually surprised he even got that much, to be quite honest with you. Um, I knew he probably wasn't going to be a multi-year deal, and I don't think practically any other second baseman on the market will likely get that. Um, but we'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later after we throw out our list, and I don't want to give away who everyone's targeting before we actually go over them. But uh, let's talk about the other move. Scott, I don't know if you had any thoughts on Scope being non-tendered, first of all? Um, you know, I guess I would say that's probably something that, you know, obviously he didn't do quite what we had hoped him to do while he was here. 
Uh, we're definitely, on one hand, you can say that we're definitely selling low on him by, you know, cutting him loose after just renting him and, you know, giving up a little bit to get him. But at the same time, we're not kind of compounding that error by uh, letting him hang out here for another year when there's alternatives that are out there that are significantly cheaper than the $10 million he was going to get. So. I think you're spot on with it. I think most Brewer fans would agree with you there on that one, Scott. So um, let's talk about the one kind of move the Brewers did make during the winter meetings. Uh, well, first of all, they're in the Rule 5 draft. They did not pick any players. They also did not lose any significant players at all, actually. So that's a good thing. So it's kind of – I want to talk about there. Uh, but um, I guess the one move that we did make, we the Brewers traded the first time ever they've traded a draft pick in franchise history – they traded their competitive uh, round pick from the 2019 draft, which would be right around number 39th, 40th pick in the draft, um, to the Texas Rangers for left-handed reliever Alex Claudia. Claudia, I'm sorry. Um, he is, um, first of all, he's got options remaining, which I think is a key for flexibility for Stearns. Um and he also is arbitration eligible for the next three years, so he should be, you know, just a million or two a year for the next couple of years under team control. So um, what, I guess, who wants to chime in on their thoughts on that deal? Yeah, I'm, I know I know that there were some that we lost the, the draft pick. I actually was in favor of the trade. I think that um, his numbers, uh, not so much in 2018, but for the three or four seasons before that were exceptional. I think he's going to be – Part of uh, sort of the rebuild of the Super Pen that we had last year, which obviously got us to the NLCS. So um, I think that the bullpen is a huge part of Stearns' uh, game plan for keeping the Brewers competitive year in and year out. Um, so you've got a guy who comes in, offers, like you said, Craig, Stearns more flexibility, uh, while at the same time I think he's going to come in a little bit cheaper than than guys uh, like Xavier Cedeno and uh, even Dan Jennings, um, who we had in the pen last year, who I view him as replacing um, since both of those guys are now free agents. Um, so I, I think that that's the thinking on this. Um, you hate to give up picks at any time, but you do have to give up some value to get something of value. And I do think that he does have, um, some value, especially to a team like the Brewers. He's going to use them correctly. So that's, that's my initial take on it, uh, here in the next, the last couple of days. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really hate to, especially as a small market like this, to give up a pick that high. Um, it's, what, 39th or 40th overall, something like that. I saw some back and forth with that. But um, it's you hope that at a pick that high that you can get somebody that can be a huge impact on your franchise. Um, unfortunately, if you look at probably the last 30 years of Brewers drafting, um, there's a 50-50 chance that they're going to even get to the majors at all. So um, I guess when you factor all that in, um, it's probably not a bad idea to take the safe route. I mean, he, people project him right now as just a loogie, but I think he's going to actually be a guy that's going to be a pretty important part of our bullpen. And I also kind of wanted to point out that um, he's kind of got this weird sort of delivery, um, and I'm starting to wonder if that's, like, kind of a thing. Like, I know everybody was always about arm slot and effortless delivery and stuff like that, and now, like, you look at – teams and they're starting to focus more on deception and he has a very deceptive delivery and I think that that's really going to help him out but I, I'm almost wondering if that's like a point of focus with the Brewers now. That's a good point um, Scott that's a really good point. 
Yeah, I've heard that the that the Brewers organization is kind of looking for uh, pitchers with deception, uh, whether or not that's, you know, they're not advertising that necessarily, but it's depending on, you know, based on some of their draft picks and guys are targeting, it doesn't seem like central focus. So there might be something there, definitely. Um, as far as the trade goes overall, uh, obviously as being huge fan of the amateur draft, uh, uh, you know, as a Brewer fan, my whole, uh, whole time as a Brewer fan, I'm probably naturally going to be again trading away any draft picks <laughs> of any sort, really. But um, especially one that high, I guess, that concerns me. Um, I, I guess I'll trust Stearns, knowing that uh, Claudia is maybe someone that can definitely be a difference maker in a bullpen. I do think he's more than just a loogie, like basically, which stands for one out left-handed guy. Um, however, um, in if he can honestly pitch more to more than one person, he is better against lefties and righties, of course. And so he could be used in that capacity sometimes, but if need be, probably pitch multiple innings as he's shown to do in the past. So, and not only that, but he does have an option to go back down to the minors sometimes, you know, just for roster flexibility. That's, that's really nice. And I think Stearns really used that to his advantage, especially late in the season as the Brewers were absolutely on fire in September. And they really, I think, managed their roster master, masterfully almost. And that's how they got, you know, to be the NL Central champions last year. So, um, with that being said, you know, 40th overall pick in a draft, some guys, I would say it's always a crapshoot in the draft, even in the top 10 picks for that matter. But, um, you know, that high of a pick, uh, it's kind of disturbing to me because there's some really good players that can get picked on that range. The Rangers themselves picked Joey Gallo right in that range. Range of Brewers picked Mitch Hanniger one year right in that range. I think during uh, it might have been the same draft, Lance McCullers Jr. was also picking that range. So these are all pitch players that are kind of impactful. So obviously, if the Brewers had a prospect along those lines, trading him for a, a, a loogie or a left-handed reliever that could just be signed to the free agent uh, is a little bit disturbing to me. So I guess it all depends on what happens with the pick. But what the Brewers are doing, you know, obviously in contention, um, I can see why they did the trade. I, I guess I don't like it, but that's just my take on it, I guess. So there, there is something to be said for having a window of opportunity here too. And you, you know, again, when you're a team like the Brewers, you've got to, you've got to keep those windows in mind. I know that the plan is to be perpetually competitive, and I think that Stearns is, is approaching that. But um, at the same time, we're still in the situation where. I think the, the organization really wants to take advantage of this window of contention. We know that we're good uh, making the playoffs last year, and I think that without getting a left-handed reliever um, in the mold of a Xavier Cedeno or a, or a Dan Jennings, guys who did play a big role last year, um, I think that I think that it would be a mistake to not strengthen the bullpen where we can for you know the 2019 season when we know that we're going to be competitive and worry about the draft pick later. Well, that's a good point, and then obviously also. You know, I mean, not only are we, quote, kind of going for it now, but um, the way that we use our bullpen with our bullpen throwing so many innings that obviously it's the strength of our team that just got a little bit better. So, um, you know, that certainly helps. And it also means that we don't necessarily have to be, again, uh, much to the chagrin of Brewer fans. We might go aceless again this year and, uh, you know, kind of have that patchwork sort of starting rotation that gets us to the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some very good points, guys. Um, and, so, and, and one other thing, too, guys, I think that there still is a lot of time in this offseason to see how things play out. We we really don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months prior to spring training, so 
I think that the offseason is still most definitely in development, not uh, not nearly finished yet. So I'm inclined to, to think we should look at and see what's going to happen in the next couple months before we make our, our judgments on this uh, one, one deal. Well, we don't have a ton of room left on our 40-man and especially even 25 uh, roster with our current um, construction, I guess. But you would, you would almost have to think that the Brewers must be looking to trade at least two of the trio of uh, Eric Thames, um, Domingo Santana, and Keon Broxton, with like, whoever's left over, obviously being like a fourth outfielder type and probably not a starter. Um, those guys, I think, have value, uh, and I'm hoping the Brewers can – Know, possibly trade some of those guys to improve our starting pitching. Um, because I think outside of falling in that hole at second base, I think I'm pretty happy with our overall um, offense. Um, I don't want to see us, you know, signing any type of impact bat or anything like that. Um, so, all right, well, I don't know if you guys have your Christmas wish list for Santa Stearns, but uh, obviously – if you wanted a left-handed reliever, well, you already got that. So um, that was not on my list, um, <laughs> at least not giving away a draft pick for one. But um, I think our bullpen is fairly well set now. Um, but uh, for the rest, uh, I don't know, do you guys have a couple of specific players or specific things that you want uh, Stearns to do um, here in the offseason? So. Um, do you want to go around the horn with this, or do you want to go position by position? How do you want to? No, do, do your full list like we used to do on our Christmas episode, I suppose. And if you want, I can go first. With you guys. It's up to you guys. Yeah, go for it. All right. Here's my Christmas wish list for Santa Stearns. Um, first of all, um, I do want an upgrade of a top-of-line starting pitcher. I don't think we're going to be signing someone um, like a Dallas Keuchel or something like that. Someone who's going to cost multiple a year and huge numbers as far as annual um, salary. So instead, I, I feel that we should trade uh, Santana or Thames or both or whatever to acquire um, a better starting pitcher, you know, if we have to dip into some of our minor leaguers. Um, so my wish list is either Madison Bumgarner, or Sonny Gray, who um, are both av- supposedly available via trade, and uh, only one year less of control for them, but it should come at a uh, rate that the Brewers can afford. So that would be on top of my wish list. Um, second, of course, would be second baseman to cover for scope. Um, obviously, don't think that we have our starting second baseman on the roster right now. So the specific guys I'm kind of looking at would be. Um, Josh Harrison, formerly of the Pirates. Um, Daniel Murphy, formerly of the Mets and the Nationals. And the other guy, Brian Dozier or Jed Lowry would also do just fine. Um, so those are kind of guys I like are on my wish list. Hopefully Stearns has got a similar list. And other than that, I guess my other wish is to please do not trade, um, Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta specifically. I not, yeah. I just don't know that we're going to be able to get somebody like uh, a quality starting pitcher for Santana or Broxton. I mean, that to me is the question. No, I think they're going to have to add Woodruff to, to them. I mean, I was not to get into specifics. Stearns can do it however he wants, but he still needs to get the things on my list. So, um, 
<laughs> but yeah, anyway, so that's basically my, my list. I think our bullpen says basically, um, starting, a starting pitcher, um, second baseman and to not trade specifically those two pitchers, which I'd like to keep. But, and also if you can at all, you know, not do it to not trade Kesson here, because I think he's definitely earmarked as our feature second baseman. So unless you can get someone like a Syndergaard, which I don't see happening because I don't think the Mets are actually selling. I wouldn't give up zero for any other trade at this time. Did you, I mean, with the funny Grady talk, I, I know that you've liked him for a while, but he was, he was pretty bad last year. Like, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a guy that we can look at as a, as a rotation leader, uh, judging by last year's numbers, at least. I know his numbers were a bit better away from Yankee Stadium, and certainly I think he could be a, a reclamation project. Um, for sure. But well, you thought the same thing about Wade Miley, so you were wrong, man. <laughs> I did not. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think I think Gray is, uh, you know, definitely still got his upside, yeah. but I don't know that we're going to want to trade a guy like Brandon Woodruff, who's got five years of control left, or a guy like Sonny Gray, who's got one and isn't necessarily a top-of-rotation guy. I don't think it would take him in the deal to get Gray. I think the same and a mid-level prospect like Troy Stokes is one that could probably land Gray. Because um, the Yankees are obviously trying to get him. So again, I'm not. I didn't throw out any actually trade scenarios. Those are just guys that target. The, the cost okay, would be yeah. very. I think if you wanted to get Bumgarner, it would cost the cost Woodruff, but not for Gray. So it all depends on which which level a player turns on to go for, I guess, or whatever. Right. So right. I probably have someone in mind. It's not on my list that they do every year, so I'm sure I won't get anything on my list. I never do. So don't worry, Vince. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, sounds, sounds good. All right, who wants to step up next? Um, well, I would say that my wish list is mostly uh, the second baseman. I really like Daniel Murphy a lot. Um, liked him for a number of years. I, I think that he would really fit in well with the Brewers. And not only can he play second base, but the guy can also play first base if needed. If you know, indeed, Hira does come up, I, I think he'll probably take a two-year deal to get Murphy. Um, so you could do that with the expectation that, you know, in theory in 2020, he could, he could slide over and, and platoon maybe between second and first, uh, if need be, um, with Hira's emergence, if everything continues to go to plan or, or we trade Hira, uh, for a top rotation arm, I guess it would be an option as well, but I really like Murphy a lot. Um, we have a lot of starting pitching options. I mean, I think that it'd be great to add a top rotation arm, but I don't think we need more depth pieces at this point. Um, that would cost us a ton. Uh, obviously, if it's a guy like a Wade Miley who's a free agent, different, different than a guy who is uh, going to cost a lot in terms of a trade. So I'd be very hesitant about trading Woodruff um, for just anybody like a filler in the rotation, which is which is why I said that about Craig Craig. But I think that a top of the rotation arm would be a bit different, um, obviously. So that's where I would draw the line. So I, I guess a lot of my wishes for turns are for him to not do a ton that going to change the dynamics of the team, actually. So I, I like the team as is, um, with the exception, of course, that we need a second baseman. And I would say a top rotation arm is available. And I wouldn't mind investing in a catching upgrade like a free agent, uh, like a Wilson Ramos, but I wouldn't necessarily want to make a big trade for Real Muto um, just because of the cost that it's going to take to get him from the Marlins. And I would, I would probably get one more reliever as well just to, just to keep things interesting on the bullpen. That's a nice list. Nice list, man. Definitely. 
and we'll, we'll get into more details on specific guys after our lists are all thrown out there. But Scott, I think that you're probably still scribbling down your wish list, and I don't know if you're ready, but. Um, well, actually, um, I, I I do have a list prepared, and um, you know I, I'm thinking back to like what 12, 15 years ago, something like that. I think I threw out like some ridiculous name like Jason Schmidt that would have actually crippled our franchise for probably a decade. But uh, so I'm trying to actually take a, a you know maybe a slightly more um, realistic approach this year. Um, <laughs> Mine was that. Mine was Matt Clement, Scott. So yeah, that's totally <laughs> <laughs> um, But uh, so okay, I have, I have a few different things here that that we need actually. Uh, one of them, I actually do think. Okay, so I think that Santana is probably going to get traded, and I think that we probably, as far as like a fourth outfielder goes, um, I think we probably, assuming that. Braun is going to be the one with the least amount of at-bats in our starting outfield. Uh, we should probably get, like, a fourth outfielder that's left-handed that we can get kind of on the cheap. Um, so with that in mind, um, the names I would throw out would be, like, either, like, a Michael Brantley, but he's always hurt, and then um, maybe, like, for cheap options, like a Nick Marcakis or a Gerardo Parra. Um, at catcher, I would like a backup catcher. But I think that Wilson Ramos and uh, Yasmani Grandal are going to um, – well, first of all, I don't consider them backup catchers. They'd be starting catchers for us, and I don't think we're going to do that. So, wow, backup options, there's not much good. I would actually say probably former Brewer Martin Maldonado or even maybe like Matt Wieters. Um, yeah, catcher looks rough. Third base, actually um, – I don't know what Moustakas wants. It's probably not as much as he wanted last year, but it's probably more than he got last year. Um, I just don't think – I think Shaw's going to move back to third. There's such a glut of second basemen out there that we probably actually shouldn't spend money on Moustakas and bring in a third baseman that's kind of pointless. So with that in mind, I actually had Josh Harrison on my list for second base. Uh, but I actually think um, – I think I've been saying for a while that I think Stearns is going to um, try to get Jed Lowry. He just plays everywhere, and he's a switch hitter, so that makes sense. And then I guess uh, just to throw another name out there, maybe um, – um, what's his name? Uh, I, I don't even know how to say it. Ezra Carrera. But um, – and then finally, for a pitcher, uh, for a starting pitcher – Believe it or not, I think we're going to do exactly what we did last year, which is grab people that um, are okay pitchers and try to turn them into aces ourselves on short-term affordable deals. And I guess pitchers that I think have potential to be able to uh, be really good pitchers on the cheap would be um, Annabelle Sanchez or maybe Trevor Cahill or Jeremy Hellicks. So. Yeah, and, and Sanchez had a good year last year too. So you could say that he's he's back on top of his game. Um, Lowry was ridiculous last year for the A's, so I don't. Yeah, he was. Happened, but. One one thing too with Lowry is he does have a relationship with Stearns from his time in Houston. So there's that. Yeah, good point. All right, well, it was a good list, Scott. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I kind of it seems like there's you know. 
the new, the next Wade Miley could be the old Wade Miley. For all we know, he hasn't signed with a new team yet either. I know a lot of Brewer fans would like to bring him back. My guess is that his agent is going to probably angle to give him a multi-year contract. I don't know if it's going to be offered one, but if he does, he'll probably take that. I don't think the Brewers are willing to do that. Um, I'm sure they, they, well, I guess I don't really know, but I'm assuming they'd be willing to give some form of a one-year deal. Definitely bring him back if he's interested, but um, I'm sure they're looking at other options too, and hopefully they're exploring the trade market. Um, we do have, um, you know, there's some unknowns. You know, is Zach Davies going to come back and be effective starter again? Is Can we count on anything this year out of uh, Jimmy Nelson? Um, and, you know, which of Burns, Peralta, and Woodruff are actually going to be in the rotation. My guess is definitely not all three, um, which means someone's going to be earmarked for either a trade or for a bullpen role, most likely. Uh, so, Craig, so that's, Craig, that's a great point. To, to that point, though, I would say Woodruff really was outstanding in the bullpen last year in the playoffs. Um, that might be an interesting guy to think about uh, in the pen for us as a full-time reliever, even going into the season. Um, he's got a power arm. Maybe it helps him to not have to go through the lineup two or three times. Uh, he could be a real interesting mix in the bullpen, I think. Yeah, and he was a lot more effective um, knowing that he was going to just pitch like a couple innings where, um, you know, he could really let it fly and uh, he really threw a lot harder. Um, so I think that that definitely might make him more effective in the bullpen. I also was yeah, I, I agree. Nelson is going to start in the bullpen and just kind of get eased into that role. And then I don't know, like, I don't know if that's something that they're going to do, like try to keep his innings down this year or what? Yeah. I, I mean, just like going to last year, I'm like kind of not expecting anything out of him once again, until he gives us like a half a year of something good. And then we'll know the year after that, that we, you know, give him a role a for sure target a defined role from, but, if he does, I agree. I, I don't know if he's getting remain starting innings at all this year. Probably maybe pitch out of the bullpen or who knows. Uh, but again, I'm not counting on much from him. Anything we get from him would be gravy this year, I think. Um, and hopefully he can re- resurrect his career. But, uh, I do agree with Vince that one of the, you know, Frey Peralta's got some pretty nasty stuff that'd be good coming out of the bullpen as well. I think Burns is almost a shun for the rotation, but, I do agree that Woodruff, what he show, showed last year in the playoffs, I think that he could be a really good bullpen arm um, as well. And that's obviously valuable to our organization. So maybe they value him over someone like Peralta and are more likely to trade Peralta. Uh, they might not trade any of them, you know. So um, who knows? But it, I would be shocked if we actually had room for all three of those guys in our rotation to start the year. I, I doubt that. I really think that we're going to at least bring in one more strength pitcher um, via trade or free agent market or whatnot during the off season. So, um, yeah, the Brewers, the Brewers have been very emphatic about the fact that, that Corbin Burns is a starting pitcher um, going forward, that the bullpen stuff last season was simply based on need and where things stood in the rotation at that time. So I think that um, they're being sincere about that and that, and that Burns is slotted for the rotation. So I, I think that it's really down to what happens to Carlton Woodruff at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's touch on second base real quick. I know we've been on a wish list. We throw out some names. The one name I threw was Josh Harrison just because, um, I mean, he, two things. He's got this uh, – he's obviously, you know, trending downward in career specifically and whatnot as he ages, but losing a little bit of speed and whatnot. But um, he does have versatility where he can play multiple infield positions, which I like. He is right-handed. Um, 
I think the Brewers might be targeting a left-hander, but he does bring something to the table. It's kind of an intangible, which really can't gauge. I think uh, he's got something similar to what uh, Lorenzo Cain has, where he has a way to uh, bring something to the clubhouse that uh, improves the guys around him or um, inspires them or whatever you want to call it. I, I really think he has that. And so adding him to a club that's uh, a contender, I think, could be a good thing. Um, and then he, I, I agree with Vince's Daniel Murphy assessment that he is one of the left-handed first basemen that, you know, really quality um, professional hitter. The defense calls in question, but there is some concern that um, – Jesus Aguilar could possibly regress a little bit after his huge breakout year last year, and with having some insurance or even a platoon partner, a left-hand platoon partner at first base would be nice. And Murphy, you know, has that experience also, so his he's got flexibility as well. So those are two guys that are probably um, top of my list. But I also do like Ted Lowry, uh, Brian Dozier on a one-year deal. There are some other guys that wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind either. But I really don't hope he's like the bottom of the barrel and no offense to like Neil Walker but um, to me someone like that would be more of like the bottom of the barrel and I would like to get like a solid everyday starter at least. Um, well I am I agree with you completely on the Murphy pick Greg. I I uh, don't disagree with you on the Harrison idea either. I do I do rate Lowry ahead of Harrison um, for sure and I, I actually would disagree with your characterization of Dozier who had worse numbers than Stoke last year. I, I don't think that he's anywhere near top of the barrel. And in fact, I think Neil Walker's actually better than Dozier at this point in his career too. But um, that's just my take on it. But I, I would definitely target Murphy number one for secondary. Yeah. Lowry has some versatility too. He had a breakout year last year. I kind of don't believe in his breakout year. He's obviously a good player even before that. He has a really good on base percentage too. So he, he would definitely be, I just think that he's probably you know, angling for a tier deal, a commitment. I don't want for to do that. Otherwise, um, I'd be totally fine with Lowry as well. Um, he didn't have some experience in the past playing short, so he could even do that in a pinch. But I think at this point, he's a second base, third base, uh, right handed yeah. bat, at, you know, going forward. But um, we kind of we kind of already have that with Fernand Perez, though, too. So if you're going to make him a platoon guy, you've got to work him at bats for Perez or get rid of one of the two. I mean, so it's a little bit more convoluted. The Murphy thing, I like it. I like the first base platoon idea, but I think that we're going to see. I don't know what we're going to do with Aguiar. Maybe he is trade bait at some point, but I think that um, Ron is going to is going to settle at some point into more of the first baseman's role. I know it was done at the beginning of last season, but to Scott's point about picking up an outfielder, if you were to get another outfielder right now, that essentially could be the starter and then have Ron platoon with him and a soft platoon at first with a left-handed bat, that might be an interesting um, scenario as well. I, I do think that Braun's best value to us at this point, just because of the durability issues, is to be a platoon guy. So uh, I, I view that as utilizing him correctly. And he's obviously coming up on the last couple of years of the, the contract. So I, I kind of think that that's what we're going to see in the next few years with him. Yep. And uh, the Brewers didn't make their significant moves, uh, obviously acquiring Elish and Keen the same day last year, so like late January. Um, so I think this next month should be interesting. I think um, – I don't think there's going to be any major signings. I know one poster on uh, Rupert posted that he thinks Stearns might have something crazy up his sleeve, like signing Manny Machado, which I can't think of a move that would anger me anymore. Not only would it financially cripple the entire organization for probably eight plus years, um, it would also 
just no, not terrible. Guy doesn't even run the first base. So anyway, um, yeah. So I don't think there's going to be, you know, obviously Bryce Harper is not coming here or anything like that. But um, and I, originally there was some hopes of this nice free agent class that we could land a really good starting pitcher. But I think kind of how we utilized the starting pitching role last year in our bullpen, I think people are, including myself, actually are a little, you know, scaling that back and saying, hey, we can do this with the way our team is constructed without. Um, you know, multiple top of the rotation type guys. So, yeah, uh, it'd be really interesting to see the price on any starting pitchers that are of that caliber um, on the trade market. I think that's really what it all comes down to, and, and what we're willing to mortgage to get a starting pitcher like a, like a Bumgarner or like a uh, if he's on a market like a Syndergaard. And for someone like a Bumgarner, um, it's going to be tough sledding because I think. The Giants aren't going to trade him just for, you know, an underwhelming package um, because of his status as a franchise icon. Um, with that being said, I think depending on how the season plays out, um, acquiring someone like, someone like that at the deadline is a more likely scenario. Um, so if the Brewers start the year without a quote-unquote ace, um, it wouldn't bother me as much. Because that way, if the Brewers happen to be, you know, knock on wood, hopefully not, uh, not a contention or something along that point. You know, you don't trade your assets then um, before the season even starts. So, one, one guy that we haven't really discussed is a starting pitching option. Might be our old friend Zach Greinke, who I think could be had for cheap in terms of players, but will cost a lot in terms of contracts. And I do think he's still a, a top of rotation guy. Um, it would be interesting to see if the Brewers are willing to take on a good chunk of that payroll um, for the luxury of not having to give up a hero or a Corey Ray. Um, in a deal like that, so that's one name I think that we should keep an eye on uh, this off season. Yeah, I, definitely a good name. Uh, I would love to have him back. I would think that Diamondbacks would really have to eat a significant portion of that for us to afford them, though. I mean, um, I just don't know how. I mean, our payroll is already on track without even anything to be. I think the most the most expensive uh, starting payroll in Brewer franchise history going into this year and we haven't even made any moves yet. So, but, I think, but, yeah, you know. but we, re- we really don't know, though, what Mark Adonacio is willing to spend. I mean, I think that that's one point that fans can very easily forget. I mean, we're all Brewers fans, so we go back to the days where we knew that Steelers was not going to spend a ton of money on the team. Um, I don't think I don't think Mark Adonacio has ever said or done anything publicly to indicate that he was close to necessarily being tapped out. So I, I really don't know what the feeling is on that. Um, I know that he is a competitive guy, and we've seen him willing to make moves and spend money when the Brewers were in the position that we were in in 2011. Uh, that 2010 offseason going into 2011, when he was willing to take on Granky's contract at that time and uh, make some other high-profile moves like the Markham move, um, bringing in Sabathia in 2008. I, I do think that as a competitive guy, he's willing to spend money when the timing on spending money is, is right. So Starting the NLCS last year may have may have you know shown him that the time is right to to be willing to raise that payroll more than we might expect. I agree. I love Mark, and if you could please raise the payroll of two hundred million a year, I would be very happy. Okay, make <laughs> some say, nice moves. <laughs> didn't say quite that much, but I do think that it might be it might be more than we necessarily know or have seen in the past. And you know, salaries continue to go up across baseball, of course, so we're going to see that. Naturally, each year is going to be the biggest spending year in Brewers history. I just don't know that um, – I don't know that we know what the cap is, if there is a cap right now. 
Yeah, yep. I certainly hope that uh, Cap, obviously, it, it would be great to see us spending a little bit more money to help us get that much more competitive. Um, I guess we also haven't touched on, you know, not a heck of a lot happened within um, the NL Central, I guess, uh, when it comes to the, um, like, just overall transactions, but we should at least point out that unfortunately the Cardinals did acquire Paul Goldschmidt from the Diamondbacks. So right, um, right, that's disappointing. Scott, you have to save Christmas, not ruin it. Yeah. yeah, interesting, interesting deal for the Cardinals too, because you know Goldschmidt only has one year left on his contract, which means that the Cardinals are viewing the 2019 as a year that they could definitely contend. It's uh. It's interesting. They had a real up and down kind of topsy turvy year last year. They had to fire Mike Matheny midseason. Um, they did come back and play really well in August and ended up, you know, losing out obviously to the Brewers and the Cubs in the division. Um, most, most likely thanks to a Brewers, uh, solid play in St. Louis in, in September. But, um, it's interesting that they think that they can definitely compete in 2019. I don't well, know. All I have to say is that the, the Brewers are the, we're the 2018 Al Central champs, and they should have no problem defending the crowd this year. Yeah. But, yeah, that doesn't help. I like it. I like it, Craig. <laughs> we only have, like, a minute left here, but I guess I would say that, um, you know, maybe the Cardinals have a little bit better track record um, than most teams when it comes to, like, retaining, like, potential free agents that they really actually want. I have a feeling that they just do something where, you know, they make this move for Goldschmidt as difficult as possible, and then they, they try it, like, halfway through the year to say, hey, let's offer him an extension and be like, dude, you just moved last year. You don't want to move again, right? You know, nobody wants to move. Well, no, there's something to be said to bring a player into your franchise and, you know, see how, how well your franchise is run, how awesome your fan base is, and then you know, if you offer him a fair yeah. contract, he's more likely to sell. That's definitely a good point, Scott. Yeah, and, and it worked, it, yeah, and it worked in St. Louis with Jim Edmonds, and it worked there with Mark McGuire back in the day as well. I mean, there's yeah. two recent examples of guys they acquired via trade who ended up signing longer-term deals to uh, stay in St. Louis. Yeah, so let's hope, let's hope Goldsmith is just there everyone here and moving on because he's a great player. So. Oh, and, 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 Matt, the and, and Matt Holiday, too. Yeah, and Matt Holiday. Oh. Yep. Oh, yep. Uh, good point. Guys, we have less than a minute, so I guess it's time to wrap this up. Um, I did actually also want to quick shout out that thanks for watching and all or listening and all that kind of fun stuff, and that also uh, Tom Carter did uh, our anonymous source. He did say that we were going to uh, we were going to be very active in the winter meeting. Yeah. I didn't think a lot was going to get done until June. Scott, Scott, despite the poll, it's Tom C or T Carter. You can't give away the name of our anonymous source. Every episode. Uh, also, you got to say Christmas, Craig. If we, if I draw your name, I just wrote a letter and received a nice reply from former Brewers outfielder Kevin Mensch. He sent me back an autographed card. Really great find in my mailbox a couple days ago. It would have been, uh, would have been your gift um, if I would have seen you in person uh, for this show. But um, we'll have to save it for one of our other gift exchanges because I asked for two autographs. Because of course I wouldn't give away if I only had the one. So. Um, all right, Vince. Well, that was a, a nice thought of yours. Give me that uh, Kevin Mensch autograph card. Um, hey, Craig, did you remember to mail? Did you did you remember to mail our colleague Tom Hondrickard a Christmas card from the Brewster Review this year? I know he blocked us on Twitter, so I can't wish him a Merry Christmas on there. Yeah, he always I try to get him a Christmas card every year, along with the checklist from the '80s or '90s. Yeah, um, yeah. You really, I, I assume he's collecting those. Um, have our have but, our intern have our intern send him another one just in case, please. And in fact, I asked him if uh, 
so I could send it for you for Christmas to get my autographed copy of one of the yeah. uh, sports sections from the Journal Sentinel autographed Tom Hardegard copy that I was going to give to you. Yeah, but if I sold that on eBay, I'd lose the money I'd have to pay for postage. Like, I would not break even on that. Well, it's priceless, so you shouldn't, shouldn't try to sell on eBay. And so this, this should be a keep. This should be a family keepsake that you can hand down for generations. What yeah. do you think he did um, when he got our Christmas card? Do you think he opened it and was like, "Oh, that's very thoughtful from our colleague or from my colleagues. That's so nice." Or do you think he just like swore and kicked his dog across the room? That's a good um, question. It's just too bad that he doesn't put in the research or the time or the dedication or appreciate his fans the way that that we do. But you know, I mean. He'll get there, I think. Well, at some point, at some point, he'll have to. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. He's manages to uh, do really well at his job for so many years that you know he's highly respected and everyone likes him and the fans appreciate him. And although none of that's true, I'd like to think it is. I think when I think someday he might though. Like someday he'll get there. I really like. I'm always rooting for him. You know, what I mean, I think someday this guy's going to be a good reporter. Like. <laughs> You, just, you, you have to teach him about your revolutionary <laughs> microphone placement. You just never know. Yeah. Well, we tried. <laughs> we we tried during our Doug Melvin uh, interview, and he asked us to, you know, stop talking to Doug because he was interested in getting the story um, and did not want anyone else to get the story. So, yeah, interesting times. Very interesting times. That was like yeah. about five minutes after he cut in on our exclusive story with, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike oh, Maddox, yeah. I forget. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. Was exclusive. Yeah, right. Well, Scott, you've saved Christmas uh, in the past by saving Santa's reindeer in the streets of West Dallas, and another year you were a Christmas angel singing away at a nursing home, uh, joining all the elderly uh, folks at the at the nursing home center in, in Christmas carols, very spirited Christmas carols, and another Christmas you saved by by having a, a a song of joy with a group of puppets that were singing behind your head. Um, what, uh, what are you going to do this year to save Christmas? I am standing next to Santa Claus right now at a mall in Virginia, but, uh, what are, what should I tell him? Um, I don't, I, I really don't know. Maybe just help him. I think maybe the best thing for, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers fan base is to maybe get some, um, uh, news reporting lessons for Tom Hardicourt. Um, maybe, maybe rather than putting Cole in Tom Hardicourt's sack, he, he can give him something a little bit better this year. Maybe that'll make him less grumpy. And I'll send him a autograph. Uh, Scott, if you could send him a autograph Christmas card, and also I'll send him the checklist. And uh, that should, that should maybe improve his holiday spirits. Oh, that's great! Guys. A stack of of Milwaukee Brewers baseball cards because we always included those in all the cards that we sent out. All right, well, another great Christmas episode, guys. It's been a while since we did our last one, so. Um, Merry Christmas, Chad. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, Merry Uncle Jimbug. Everyone. Merry Christmas, our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Yep. Merry Christmas to um, all and to all a good Diane, night. And Diane Shane, to all another great year. Another great year. <laughs> Another great year. Uh, hey, guys, don't forget, uh, for those of you listening, we appreciate you uh, joining us here for our inaugural podcast journey in 2018. Uh, certainly appreciate that. I'm looking forward to bringing you more quality brewery, well, semi-quality brewers analysis in 2019 as well. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at BrewCrewReview1. 
um, and always interact with us. We'll get to your questions, I promise, starting in 2019, a little bit better. Uh, Brew Screw Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com. And don't do anything with us on Facebook because I don't think that any of us check it or know how to use it. I don't think we need I think Chad's got the password, but Chad's at this buffet today or something. We can't get hold of him, so definitely not going to get an answer on that today. Don't worry, guys. I don't think Facebook is like a thing anymore anyway, so don't worry about it. Yeah, Chad is Chad is at that buffet, and then he's being Santa Claus uh, today at a mall, so that's, that's uh, not going to happen today anyway. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night, and Merry, go Brewers. Merry Christmas, guys. Go Brewers. <laughs>